of all the, the bad athletes on a football team, Say guards it. are the worst of the bad athletes, right? And what so, position did you play? Guard. There it is. Um, so, I mean, that, <laughs> what position did my son kinda, play? Right. Yeah, guard. Guard. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where you play. <laughs> Welcome into another episode of The Chop Shop. I'm Trey Wingo here alongside my good buddy, Mark Schlereth. Here in The Chop Shop, we're partnering once again with our friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. Hey, when was the last time you seriously considered your dreams? I mean, come on, you used to think about them all the time. What happened? I say it's time that you and your dreams got back together. I mean, think about it. You could live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour all 423 national parks, build a mountain cabin with your dad, or even start up your own business. Really, whatever you want to dream up. And it's a Mercedes-Benz van we're talking about here, kids. So expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz dealership and get that Sprinter van. Tell them your dream sent you. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into another edition of The Chop Shop. Glad you're here with us, us being Trey Wingo and Mark Schlereth, as we break down what we saw in week 11 of the NFL, bring it down to the studs, build it back up again, and really tell you the stuff that matters. And Mark, we've tried to tell people all along, season is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You want to play the long game. And lo and behold, the team that we told you to play the long game on looks like it might be in it for the long haul, and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Suddenly, Kansas City went from three and four, four straight wins, seven and four, first place in the AFC West, and it looks like they may be staying there for a while. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they may end up being 12, uh, 12 and, and uh, no, it'll be 13, 13 and, four. and four. 12 and five, whatever. Yeah. I, yeah whatever, new math. Whatever it is. Yeah, I was going to go 12. It's the, it's the new math again got me. But the bottom line is where they are right now, the way they're playing right now, dominating both lines of scrimmage. And it's amazing what happens when you pay attention to that aspect of the game and you dominate the line of scrimmage, how many games you win. In the last three or four weeks, what they've done on the defensive side, this is a team that they couldn't stop anybody, that all of a sudden they're in in the top three over the last five, or like I said, three or four weeks, top three in probably every defensive category and against the Cowboys, they said, hey, man, we're going to play some man coverage. We're going to blitz you. We're going to bring pressure. See if you can, you know, we're going to disrupt routes and we're going to disrupt your quarterback. And they were able to do both of those things up front. So Kansas City right now, to me, looks like the class of the AFC, even though they have those losses that they have. And, and I think it's important for you to explain to people uh, what really happened in that game, especially early on. A lot of the Cowboys had never played at Arrowhead before. And if you haven't been there before – you have no idea how loud that crowd can be. That crowd, Mark, in that game caused two turnovers and two penalties. Yeah, that the crowd there, first off, like the stadium is built, so the fans are sitting right on top of you. Yeah. You literally, when you're in that stadium, you're sitting on the bench and you're trying to go over kind of adjustments and what you're doing, and the fans are literally six feet away from you. And so when you're making adjustments, they're sitting there going, hey, you Schlereth, you suck. You're awful. You're t-, you know, and they're just on top of you the whole time, which I actually, I absolutely love. Yeah. And and then you're sitting in in the huddle and your quarterback is screaming and you can't you can't hear. I mean, you're like, what, what, what the whole time. And then you break the huddle 
And so the quarterbacks, you know, as they go, it's all timing when you're in when you're in Kansas City. So you know how they'll go. You, you try to get the rhythm of the snap count. So they'll lean one way and they'll go like blue 80. And then when they turn to the other side, they go blue. You can't hear it. So it sounds like this. You go blue 80. And then he turns and goes. That's all. So you're just like looking. You're in your stance and you're looking at the quarterback's head. And then when he turns, you think to yourself, if it's on two, you go thousand, one thousand and you snap. And it, that's how you play there. So when you go, when we used to go there, when I was a member of the Broncos, we would literally cut out about 40% of our play chart. Yep. So we're like, ah, we can't run this. We can't run this. We can't run this because of crowd noise. So you're going in with about 60% of the plays that you would run at home. You know, yeah, I mean, crazy. It, so it really is, it really is an incredibly difficult. When we talk about home field advantages, there's not many places in the world that have a better home field advantage than uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do. I thought of you on the Cowboys' second drive because you told me that story once about being in a playoff game and, and you turned back to ask the count and all of a sudden the ball was snapped and they were rushing by you. Terrence Steele never got out of a snap, uh, his stance, at left tackle on that play that caused the strip sack uh, by, by Chris Jones. And oh, by the way, Chris Jones playing a lot more inside now and he is clearly a better player as an interior pass rusher than as an end. Right. Well, he's never been the guy that can turn a corner on no, the end. That's not who he right? is. He, he doesn't have that kind inside. of speed. That's yeah. not who he is. Right. So automatically, as an offensive lineman, you think about the matchup. I don't have to worry about him turning a corner because he can't. So right. even if he shows you a speed up field, you're like, please, for the love of Pete, run upfield all day long because yeah. you're just not going to outrun me. And so when he gets inside, now he becomes a dual threat guy. He can he's got enough edge presence to get by guards. And let's face it, I mean, like the of all the the bad athletes on a football team, Say guards it. are the worst of the bad athletes, right? And, and what so, position did you play? Guard. There it is. Um, so I mean, that, <laughs> what position that, did my son kinda, play? Right. Yeah, guard. Guard. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's where you play. So like, <laughs> where's our? It's like when you're when you're coaching little league baseball, you yeah. put your worst your worst player out in right field, and you hope the ball never gets hit out there. You're like, hey, you play right field. It's a really important position. And the kids are like, oh, you know, I'll go out there and play. You know, like, Lord, please don't hit the ball over there. Then you tell your center fielder, if the ball gets hit to right field, run. cut it off. Run. Like, run. run. Run like the wind because the kid we got in right field can't play a lick. Oh, it's so true. And before we move on, uh, real quickly, Holmes didn't have big numbers, but I thought he played under control in the offense. And once again, he leads the NFL in interceptions bouncing off receivers' hands. I mean, Travis Kelsey, it hit him right here. In the hands, mm, and somehow yes. it ended up being an interception for Curse. But Mahomes looks like he's under control. The Chiefs look like they're under control. If they win their next three games, they're on cruise control going forward. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Tennessee Titans currently hold the number one seed in the AFC. And, Mark, I don't think anybody expects them to hold that for much longer. They, they found a way to win two games without Derrick Henry. Good for them. But it, it's coming to roost now that, that everything that they do is so predicated on play action, and they just don't have it without – uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah, well, last week, I think uh, Tannehill threw the ball 52 times. That's not how they're built. Mm -mm. So they have they have gotten away. Like, I think with Derrick Henry, they were probably the number one team when it came to understanding identity and who you are. And they've lost that. And I was talking to a coach. Now, I, I've got all kinds of, as you do, all kinds of relationships in the coaching industry and guys that I lean on, guys that I ask information of. Guys that helped me along the way, whether it's coordinators, whether it's head coaches, whether, you know, 
position coaches. I got a lot of guys that I'm connected to, right? Of course. And I had a guy um, that I was talking to that basically said, you know, everybody thinks Tennessee's a bully. Everybody thinks Tennessee's tough and, and you know, and, and physical. It's like, they're not a bully. They're not tough physical. Their, their running back was tough and physical. Their running back was a bully. That's where they got their identity. Go, They've lost their running back. They've lost their identity. They're no longer a bully. That's not who they are. And I think it really showed in that game against the Texans that uh, they just weren't able to, they weren't able to play bully ball. And ultimately you drop back 52 times. I don't care who you are. You're good. You know, I mean, all of a sudden Tannehill throws four picks in that game and, you know, they turn the ball over. They just can't in the critical moments, critical moments. They can't, they, they don't operate because they've lost their identity. They can't line up in the red zone to go, let's just hand it to our bully running back. Let's get four yards. Let's convert this first down. Let's move on. They've got to do something that they're not equipped to do. And, and that's what you're seeing right now. Yeah, Tannehill, when he doesn't have play action, is a completely different quarterback, as most quarterbacks are. Let's be honest about it. Correct. Um, but just so, just so people understand how strange that upset was, that was the first time in NFL history, we're talking over 100 seasons now, First time in NFL history, a team that had been on an eight-game or more losing streak beat a team on a six-game or more winning streak. So you think, wow, that's weird. Yeah, it was weird like we've never seen it before. A team that started 0-3, and suddenly you do not want to see them should they find their way to get into the postseason. That's the Indianapolis Colts, and not because of Carson Wentz. Let's be clear. They are the bully ball team because they have the bully back right now in Jonathan Taylor. And the first player ever in NFL history, 185 rushing yards, four touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. The list of players that have had 100 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in eight straight games are now Jonathan Taylor and LaDainian Tomlinson. That's it. That's how good he is right now. Is he a legitimate MVP candidate? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. He's got to be in there, especially, you know, and, and it depends on how you define MVP. But when you look at, you know, the struggles of Carson Wentz, you go back to last year with, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles giving up 65 sacks. He, he gets finally gets put down and Jalen Hurts gets his opportunity against the New Orleans Saints last year to take over that starting position. Um, you know, you, you're on a football rehab assignment. Last week, he only threw it 20 times. He dropped back 20 times. Um, Taylor got 32 carries. I mean, they have completely morphed into something other than what they were. And when you start to talk about, you know, MVP, who means more to that offense? Because you still don't trust Carson Wentz to lead the lead the way. No. I mean, he's still trying to figure it out. So um, the way they run the ball, the physical nature with which they run the ball, and he's that guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, that understands the value of a physical four or five yard run, but can take it to the house every time he touches it as well. He's got that explosiveness about him. Uh, love the way he's running the football. Love, you know, what he means to that offense in general. Correct. And and I got to give Frank Reich a lot of credit because he said, well, I'm going to run it on first down. I'm going to run it on second down. And I may run a lot on third down. He knows what he has in Jonathan Taylor, who was so productive coming out of college at Wisconsin that people thought maybe there was too much tread uh, taken off the tire. He got plenty left. And yeah. we'll see what the Colts do down the stretch. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break here on the Chop Shop. When we come back, we'll talk about the Chargers and what an unbelievable game it was. Stay with us on the Chop Shop. No two dreams are the same, but there is one van equipped to handle them all. For over 120 years, Mercedes-Benz vans have been built, upfitted, and ready to go because we believe dreams should never stay that way. 
because those who find their passion drive their passion. So you can stop following your dreams and start driving them. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. And Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, back with you on the Chop Shop. As you know, we're brought to you by our good friends at Mercedes-Benz. And Mercedes-Benz and their Sprinter Vans all about making your dreams come true. And Mark, if you had Justin Herbert or Austin Eckler on your fantasy lineup Sunday night, if you didn't win, you should never play fantasy football again because it was a dream game for them. Uh, you know, the Chargers dominated against the Steelers the entire contest, and then the Steelers' offense decided to wake up in the fourth quarter and made it a, made it a game, and then Justin Herbert decided to do Justin Herbert things. The kid is so good. He really is. You know, they had, they had the block punt, that, uh, and they scored a touchdown off of that, the tip ball that became an interception, you know, to, to put them back in the game. In, in Pittsburgh, and and obviously that fourth quarter was, I mean, that was insanity. The fourth quarter of that game was amazing. But I, I read something, and you would know better than I, I think Justin Herbert was the first quarterback in history to have, what, 300-plus yards passing and 90 yards rushing yep. in a game. And yep. it, it just, like, what he is able to do and just the, the understanding, kind of the neck-up aspect of football, and he's got a couple of players. Eckler is is a great player. Austin Eckler you know, is my spirit know. animal. I say this every week, and I stand by it. That dude is and just he, a hustle bunny, man. Yeah, he really is, and he's a freak show. I don't know if you've ever seen. Do yourself a favor, uh, YouTube him and some of his workouts where he's doing one arm pull ups. And why, he's a why freak would I show. want to depress myself like that? Like I, yeah, I, good I, point. I'm fairly Not, confident in how I look, and why would I want to do that to myself? Yeah. Not you. I'm just saying the general public. <laughs> just go ahead if you want to be motivated. Uh, Keenan Allen is one of the top receivers in football that we never talk about. The guy is, he's an amazing player. But yeah, uh, Herbert, what he's done these first two years, his rookie year and then this year, um, even though they've had a couple of lulls here, uh, he's just been amazing. Like His understanding of, of the game, understanding where to go with the football, his ability to throw with anticipation, to throw it on time. Um, and his ability to put it in elite positions. You know, when you watch the great quarterbacks like orchestrate, how they throw guys open, how they'll sit guys down, how they'll communicate with ball placement, where they want a guy to go, where the coverage is coming, where the potential hit is coming. Um, he does all those things exceptionally well. So he's just fun to watch, man. He is a fun guy to watch. And he's, you know, becoming an elite quarterback right in front of our eyes early in his career. Justin Herbert, okay, uh, in that game mm -hmm. and with the, with the numbers that he put up, he joined Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Warner as the only quarterbacks to have 7,000 passing yards and 50 touchdown passes uh, in their first 25 games of their NFL career. Now, I get it. It's the throwing league. We know that all the time. But if it was the throwing league and it was, it was easy to do, everybody would be doing it. So it's Kurt Warner, Patrick Mahomes. Right. And Justin Herbert. And by the way, I love his mechanics. Like Justin Herbert's mechanics are as good as any quarterback in football. Yeah, he and I think the thing that's important. I've always said this: playing quarterback as a, a you know a guy that had a son that pitched in the big leagues. People think it's like pitching. It's not. It's like playing no. shortstop. Yep. Right. I mean, a pitcher is always trying to re recreate his mechanics at all time. Quarterbacks have to have 
quarterbacks have to have off-platform mechanics. They still have to be able to drive the ball to stay on top of the ball. Um, they still have to be able to stay on top of the ball even when they go sidearm. Um, they have to do a lot of things, you know, from different body mechanics, different arm angles. They got to drop down and throw them in a window with a defensive lineman rushing, and they have to put that on target. And you know, and it's not it's it it's not easy to do. And yet, when he's got when he is protected, Herbert is protected. When he's got you know the the when he's got a, a clean pocket and all those stuff, he's got great mechanics. But he's mechanically sound. When he's off platform, and he doesn't have those things, and that's that's where you find guys that are exceptionally, you know, exceptionally accurate, or those guys that have the ability to to change arm angles, to change body leverage, and, and all that, and still, you know, throw it falling away. I always hear, well, he threw it off his back foot. Well, sometimes in the NFL, you know what you got to do? You have to throw it off your back you foot to. because you're getting rushed. And you still got to be able to, just like I said, to stay on top. It, they, they call it, don't ever be a U-thrower. When you fall underneath the ball, that's when it sails. Be a C-thrower, stay on top of the ball. Well, you can still stay on top of the ball even when you're sidearm. I'm trying to, you yeah, know what I'm it. saying? I get and, it. And he's got that ability, that innate ability to do those things. Um, he's he's an exceptional young quarterback. To put a phrase on it that no one has ever used, it's very Mahomesy. Right. Yeah. Like the Mahomes two of those guys for the next seven or eight years. Sign me up for that. I'm I'm all in on that. Hey, being a, a a former Bronco or you know once a Bronco, always a Bronco. But living here in Denver, um, I would sign up for those two to be traded out of the division instantly. <laughs> um, so I have, just, I have bad news for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. It ain't happening. All right. You mentioned a team that hasn't gotten a lot of pub. I want to bring them up now. Because I think they could be dangerous, and I think they're going to sneak into the postseason, and I think they're going to make a division race that a lot of people thought was signed, sealed, and delivered very interesting, and that's Philadelphia. The Eagles have found their mojo. Darius Slay is a big play, living up to that nickname, waiting to happen. We see that time and time again, two straight weeks. But I want to throw some numbers at you. Mm -hmm. These are the first 15 career starts, the numbers for Lamar Jackson. 4,100 total yards of offense, 26 touchdowns, 12 turnovers, 213 first downs. Here are the numbers for the first 15 career starts of Jalen Hurts. 4,100 yards of total offense, 29 touchdowns, 11 turnovers, 209 first downs. People are not talking enough about the progress Jalen Hurts has made, and perhaps more importantly, Mark, the progress Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff have made from what they were trying to do earlier in the season and what they're trying to do now. Yeah. I had them week two against San Francisco. They lost the game like 17 to 12 or something crazy like that. Um, the first seven weeks of the season, they were throwing at 63% of the time, running at 37% of the time. Nope. In the last four weeks, they've completely flipped the script, running at 63% of the time, throwing at 37% of the time. Nick Sirianni, he, he's an interesting cat to talk to, you know, because the people made fun of him for, I've got s- s- systems, I've got yeah. systems. And then came the out of the gate. Scissors- Shaky. Yeah. And he's like, out of the gate. Oh, hey, I want to know how you compete. Well, rock, scissors, paper. Let's play. Let's see how you, and you're like, oh, Lord. You know, and that was a, it was a bad opening press conference. Although, yeah. you know, to throw some context to it, he was sitting in an empty room talking to a camera on a Zoom meeting. Yeah, it's never good. So, right. And, and it's his first time as a head coach being introduced as a head coach. And it just, it didn't really work out. Sitting in a meeting with him, one-on-one, he's phenomenal. Like, he's phenomenal because he's comfortable. He's doing all those things. 
But I'm talking to him about just coaching and, and the philosophical change. And he's got so much pride in his family. He comes from a, a group of coaches. His dad was a high school coach. His brother was a high school, is a high school coach. His, his other brother is a Division three football coach. Calls him the best coach he's ever been around in his entire life. But he talked about his brother who coaches high school football. And he goes, here's what I've learned. And he goes, my brother's a better coach than I am. And here's what I've learned about my brother. Here's what I've learned about coaching. He goes, my brother coached in high school and he had a pro-style offense. He won a state championship running a pro-style offense. Had a bunch of guys graduate. The next year, he changed to a spread offense. And he goes, and he won a state championship with a spread offense. He had a bunch of kids graduate, a couple kids get hurt. The next year, he changed to a triple, uh, he, he he called it, uh, oh no, wing T offense. Jeez. He goes, I've learned you have to be adaptable. And Nick Sariani has gone, what I'm trying to do isn't working. Let me let me be humble. Let me change it up and let me change, you know, and, and re, redirect what we're doing. And they have been, I, I think they're, I think they're, I wouldn't be surprised if the last game of the year between them and Dallas comes down to uh, who wins the NFC East. Uh, that wouldn't shock me at all. Not a, Listen, the Cowboys have lost two of their last three. They got the short week coming up. I don't think they'll have either CeeDee Lamb or Amari. They won't have Amari Cooper. Uh, they're probably mm-hmm. not going to have CeeDee Lamb coming back from concussion protocol in a short week. They lose that game uh, on, th- on Thanksgiving. It gets really, really interesting for them down the stretch because, like you said, they've already played the Eagles in Dallas. They're going to have to go up there at the end of the season. And uh, that game could be for a lot more than people thought it would be about three weeks ago. Speaking of uh, Thanksgiving Day games, Mark, we're coming up on Turkey Day. To me, it's always the the sign where, okay, it's time to really get serious. It's time to put the pedal to the metal, you know, take off the brake and and accelerate on the gas here. Um, What are your thoughts about Thanksgiving football? Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, here's the first thing. First thing that comes Uh, to mind is I never watch the Lions because it doesn't matter. Unless they're playing someone interesting, right? That's the way it is. Sorry. Like, you guys are terrible, and you've always been terrible. So when you're not terrible, then I'll care. But it's hard for me to care about the Lions Thanksgiving Day game. Yeah. No, it is. I I think it's, you know, I go back to just being a player. I I think some Bill Parcells used to say is this is where the season starts for the teams that are serious about separating. You know, By the way, our producer is from Detroit. Scott Turkins, a friend of mine. He said you just stabbed yeah. me in the heart. It's true. They're terrible. Okay, they're terrible. Yeah. They've always been terrible. Your entire life, they've been terrible. So I'm sorry. Just be better. They're not going to lose every game this year because they've got a tie. Yeah, they're 0-16 so, and one is still yeah. in play. Yes, um, but like you know, this is where it starts. If you're really a contender, like this is where the pretenders separate themselves, or the the contenders separate themselves from the pretenders. I, you know, I love Thanksgiving. Oh, I still love Thanksgiving, but I loved it as a player, Trey. Yeah. Because instead of, you know, your team meeting starting at nine, start your team meetings at six. And you do your team meeting and then you go out early to practice. And then, like, you know, for me, my wife or my family was always getting everything done by the time. So by the time practice was over and you did everything, then you rolled home and, and a turkey was in the oven. You had, you know, you had all your little snacks and everything, and the games were about ready to start. And you just chow down. It was a great, it was a great day. Um, absolutely loved it as a player, uh, as as just a fan. Loved sitting around watching all these Thanksgiving Day games and just eating. I, I I just think it's the best holiday of the year. 
for me personally. And football kind of sets it up. It's family football and food, right? I mean, what's better than right. that? Yeah, you get the Cowboys traditional game and the and the Lions traditional game, although, you know, whatever. Uh, and then you get, oh, take a little dinner break and and uh, go back for seconds and wait, oh, we got another one. We got another one. So it's always good. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. it's it's yeah, the, third, it's family that football third game and food. Is beautiful. There's no question. All right. Well, listen, uh, obviously you are part of my family. You will always be a part of my family. Uh, it is great to talk to you as always. And uh, good Thanksgiving for all of you and yours. And we'll talk next week. All right. Absolutely. Love you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to your family, buddy. And uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>